Welcome back to the FKT Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Anderson. Today, we're catching up with Courtney DeWalter, who holds the overall supported FKT on Colorado's Collegiate Loop. Join us for more about the appeal of a remote mountain loop and the mental and physical aspects of covering over 160 miles in one day and 16 hours. Yeah, so Courtney, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm really pleased to have you on here. Yeah, thank you. I'm uh, happy to chat about all things running. Yay. Uh, So (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about your recent FKT on the Collegiate Loop, obviously. And so for our listeners who may not be familiar with the route, could you describe it a bit in terms of, you know, distance, elevation, and, you know, the overall like aesthetic of the route? Absolutely. It's um, here in Colorado. So the Colorado Trail goes from Durango to Denver, and it's about 500 miles. But when it gets to the Collegiates, this mountain range, you can either go on the east side of that range or on the west side of that range to get to the, like, back onto that main Colorado Trail section. And um, this Collegiate Loop takes those sections and just does those by themselves. So it's a 160-ish mile loop around this amazing mountain range uh, near like the Leadville, Buena Vista, Salida area. And um, it's just absolutely stunning. You're out there in the middle of nowhere. It feels like so wild and um, you spend a lot of time above tree line. So a lot of time above like 11,000 feet. Yeah, it's a super high elevation route. I haven't done the loop solo, but I've done the Colorado Trail. So I've gone both sides of it. I'm kind of curious, like, since it's a loop, obviously you can choose any direction and start an endpoint. So how did you choose your start and endpoint and which direction did you go and why? So we started and ended at Twin Lakes, which is the northern end of the loop. Um, and that was for a couple of reasons. One The previous FKTs had been set by starting at this same spot. Um, And two, I live in Leadville, so this was the closest jump off point, basically, for Mm -hmm. the loop. So it was like, you know, drive down the street and start, and then at the finish, just drive back up the street and be in a bed (laughs) already, which definitely had its appeal. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we went uh, south on the west side and then came back north on the east side, both because the previous FKTs had been set doing that same direction and because the west side is just, I think, a little bit harder and um, you spend most of it at a really high altitude and there's quite a bit of climbing on that side. And so the idea to get that on the front end when you're a little more fresh felt like an appealing option to have when right um yeah I mean it's so cool when you when there's a loop like this really you could start Mm -hmm. anywhere and go either direction and that is I think so exciting to just you know be able to choose your adventure within a loop like that yeah totally which side did you like better I had such radically different experiences it's like kind of hard to compare but I liked sections of both i definitely think the west is you know the more overall scenic section to do um 
there's definitely not the, at least I don't remember there being a lot of cows and dirt bikes on that, but you have that on the East. Uh, but, you know, they're both enjoyable in different ways for sure. And I don't know, at some point I'd like to come out and actually do the full loop just as the loop rather yeah. than as part of a longer endeavor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you live in Leadville, so this is like literally like your backyard. Are, are you out there all the time? Have you like basically done all sections of the route prior to the FKT? Or were there some areas that you weren't familiar with before you got out there? Um, I was familiar with pretty much all of it. I mm -hmm. attempted the Colorado Trail in 2020 um, going north. So I was going from Durango towards Denver. And during that attempt... I went on the Collegiate West side. So mm -hmm. I had been on that entire thing, but it was also going the other direction. And it was really far into a long attempt. And so my brain was kind of like just a mush bucket by then. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have like really vivid images of it in my head. So it felt a little bit new, even though I had been you know, on all of these sections at some point um, in some sort of zombie-like state. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then the east side, there were a couple sections of that I hadn't been on yet, but um, I was pretty familiar with most of it. I'm kind of curious why you chose to do, unless I'm getting them confused, why you chose to do the west as on your Colorado Trail FKT. Was that because that was what had been done before? Because I always feel like the west is like the harder option for the CT? Yeah, I chose it because um, for sure there were stout times on that west side on the Colorado Trail. So mm -hmm. I knew that it was possible to, you know, go for the FKT, even though it was the, um, the like higher elevation side, basically. Um, but also because I had spoken to a lot of people who had done the Colorado Trail, and they just like, highly recommended Collegiate West for that mm -hmm. like full Colorado feel of like right. rugged mountains, you know, tiny single track in the middle of this like huge landscape and just to like mm -hmm. feel like you're really out there. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. Especially if you aren't, yeah, if that's your Colorado Trail experience for sure. Yeah. I would definitely recommend that over the East. I mean, when I attempted the Colorado Trail FKT, I totally went the East way because I had done the West and I was like, that was really hard. Like, I'm going to yeah. go like the easier way. Um, but yeah, no, it, I, when I did the, the Continental Divide Trail the first time, we did the West route and yeah, it was stunning and amazing and definitely highly it, recommended. It's so cool. And our timing yeah. was like uh, pretty incredible for the weather and the um, like leaves were starting to change and, you know, some nice. of the willows were starting to change, but there were still a few like patches of flowers hanging on. So it was mm -hmm. this wonderful combination of weather and like, I don't know, everything about it was just so cool. Yeah, it's really beautiful country back there for sure. Oh, so you kind of have mentioned altitude a couple of times. So I'm kind of curious, obviously you live at high altitude, so I'm sure altitude probably wasn't a factor for you, but what about the weather? Because I know like that's a big consideration on the Colorado Trail most of the summer and into the fall. It's like you get these big storms out of nowhere and, and there's nowhere to go, like you are up there. So was that a factor in your uh, collegiate FKT? 
It was a factor in that we were watching the weather for a couple of weeks um, mm -hmm. because we live here and mm -hmm. we had a little flexibility in our schedule. We um, basically knew of like a two week window where it would work for us to go attempt it for our schedules. And then we just sort of sat on our weather apps for that two week window, you know, like trying to cherry pick the best window of days where we wouldn't get caught out in those types of storms. Um, because it's a very real factor in the mountains and mm -hmm. like, uh, I mean, the safety and also the speed at which you move when mm -hmm. it's pouring rain or, you right. know, lightning or hail. So or snow. we had or <laughs> snow or yeah. all of them combined. Yeah. <laughs> so we were very lucky in that we could cherry pick it and mm -hmm. we ended up with a great window. It got, you know, a little chilly at night on the west side and a little hot on the east side during the day, but otherwise um, we weren't held up by anything extreme. That's really good. Yeah, the ability to be able to just like keep an eye on the app and have that flexibility, that's really crucial, I think, when you're attempting something with such volatile weather. Like I, I don't live in Colorado, obviously, but my experience has been basically that this state like never has summer or never has like stable weather because every time I've been there, from July to September, I've gotten snowed on in the mountains like every single month. <laughs> yeah. And a new one in the past couple of summers has always been the fire smoke oh, yeah. from a fire somewhere. And um, that has like really foiled a lot of August mm -hmm. things. And this year we were fortunate to not have such a smoky summer. Um, mm -hmm. But we were also, you know, keeping our eyes on that because heading out on a trail for a huge right. effort in, you know, thick smoke in the air is mm -hmm. not ideal for a lot of reasons. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's kind of crazy how in the last few years, like monitoring the AQI has become a part of training and competing and just recreating in the mountains. Because yeah. It, I mean, and everywhere, even places that, I mean, like places like Seattle, like there's no fires in Seattle, but it seems to be this sink where it's just like, all of the smoke goes in pools and it becomes really terrible. It's, it's uh, a definitely a changing landscape. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, in Colorado, like my experience with the smoke has been a lot of times it's down more like on the, the front range when you're up in like Leadville and up at like the collegiate area, does, does the smoke ever tend to fill in up there? Or are you generally high enough to be above it? Yeah, I guess um, last summer we had a pretty smoky August up here mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. even in town here in Leadville, it was difficult to see the range of mountains that's, you know, just a few miles from us. So wow. we got caught in that pattern for a bit. And I don't know uh, if it was just like a huge mass, you know, that just kept moving through or if it was mm -hmm. sitting on us. I'm not positive. Right. A lot of times, though, you're right, the front range down in the Denver, Golden, Boulder area has mm -hmm. um, a worse AQI than we do up here, just because mm -hmm. I think it does sit there and build. Yeah. Yeah, I was there in, the, I guess it was probably late August or early September of 2021 and to climb Albert and Massive. And I remember being up there and looking east and just being able to see all of the smoke. And when we drove down 
to Boulder to leave, it was just driving into this like wall of smoke. And then we were driving east across the country. So we were just like in this wall of smoke until we got to like the Midwest. Oh my gosh. So much smoke. And, but it was interesting because when we were up at Leadville, like it, it wasn't, I couldn't like feel like I was breathing in the smoke, but you could definitely see the haze in the air. So what drew you to attempting the collegiate loop FKT? Like you could choose any FKT. Why that one? I have been intrigued by that one for a while. Um, I mean, there's so many cool trails and the Colorado trail is like high on my interest list to try again. But um, taking just a small portion of it had like a very big draw for me because I knew how cool the trail was and how beautiful, how scenic it was out there and like, it would give that remote feeling, but also I knew, you know, we could throw things in the trunk of our car and drive there and start it within, you know, that could be a 30 minute window of deciding to go and then just being on it already. So it was like a lot of simplicity involved with this one of the access to it and like it being in my backyard, but also it is long enough where it's got the interest of like multiple days and the variables that come into play when you're out there for two or more days. So um, this summer, we knew we wouldn't quite have time for a Colorado Trail attempt again. Mm -hmm. It's just a little bit bigger of a time and recovery commitment. And so Mm -hmm. um, when we were thinking of like what trail would be fun to attempt that wasn't a week-long endeavor this one was like next on the list of oh it would be so fun to go out on this loop in our backyard that's you know linking up these parts of the colorado trail that we love so much already let's just go for it nice yeah that kind of leads me to like my next question like obviously your exact start day was pretty spontaneous but it sounds like you put a lot of time and thought into this record, this wasn't necessarily like a a spontaneous choice. Like, hey, I'm just gonna go attempt this FKT. Uh, How how long ago did you decide, you know, you kind of wanted to do this, that this was like on your mind? It had been on my mind a couple of years. Um, Mm -hmm. And then this year, I guess when I was making my race schedule for the season, we intentionally left August and September pretty open with the hopes that the weather and my body and my brain and like all of the puzzle pieces would fall into place so that we could go after something like this. Um, But we weren't sure and we weren't like set in stone on it happening because there are so many things that could have, you know, made it not happen. Like I did a race in July and I didn't know how recovery would go after that for such a huge effort. Like multiple day effort is, you know, it's big. And like to be physically and mentally prepared and excited for it wasn't a guarantee. So we had the, you know, like gray window available to make it happen, but we weren't sure that we would actually do it this year. Right. Yeah. I think that you kind of touched on something that a lot of people don't necessarily think of. They think of the physical recovery, but there's a a mental, a huge mental component, especially when you're going to go out and do something like this, that's like multiple days and just kind of this next level. 
Uh, so you could you talk a little bit about, you know, maybe like the mental aspect of re recovering from a race or an FTT and preparing for a next, the next one? Absolutely. For me, it's just as important as the physical recovery. Oftentimes after a hundred mile race or some big project, um, my legs will feel pretty good uh, fairly quickly, but I'll notice just like general like mental fatigue and like my brain is tired because there's so much um, brain effort put into mm -hmm. these, you know, physical feats. They're not just running is more than just a physical activity for sure. There's a whole mental side to it. And so um, I'll pay attention to that mental recovery just as much, if not more than the physical and really assess, you know, every day how I'm feeling, like where am I at mentally with like coming back to feeling normal and excited again and um, use that to gauge like when I might be ready to go after another big thing. And there's no real defined timeline for that. Sometimes you bounce back quick and sometimes it takes a while. Yeah. Do you find the same for like all of your long attempts? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I mean, I got to the point where like, I definitely didn't adequately like mentally recover and I, I really just burned out. And I just, I mean, only recently have I even felt like I could go out and actually do something long again. And I mean, it's been what, it's been like five years. I mean, it took a long time to get the, like the mental aspect back. Like physically I could train and be ready to go, but just mentally, it's like, I go out and try to do something challenging, like even a hard training run. And I'd be like, I'm done, go home. Like, you know, and so it's just very strange. Like there's been, you know, times where I just like bounce right back. Yeah. I want to do more. And then there's been, you know, this big chunk of time and I'm just like, well, it'll happen when it happens, which is like yeah. definitely a, a growing period for me for sure. Because like, I'm used to like something big every year. And then it was just like all of a sudden no more. So it's, yeah. Been, yeah. Well, good job listening to that and uh, not trying to, you know, like bang your head against a wall to force it mm -hmm. because it for sure is, um, yeah, it's a huge piece of these efforts and uh, to respect that recovery is important. The collegiate loop has a really long history of failed attempts on the route. Uh, I was really enjoying kind of reading through and just seeing like how many people on the fastest known time, like announced, Hey, we're going to do this. Oh, we didn't, you know, or we got this far and we stopped. And so I'm kind of curious if you ever had a point out there where you thought you might be joining the ranks of the many failed attempts on this route. Our mindset going into it was very excited to try it and to give it our best. Um, but also we knew that no matter how it shook out or, you know, what it would take to um, come back from any problems, we were going to finish it. So there was never a thought in my head of like, I'm not going to make it or we're going to stop. I didn't know if, you know, a problem would arise somewhere or I would get really sleepy and have to, you know, stop for hours or, you know, even a full day reset. We didn't know what was in our cards for this attempt, but we knew that we had these days and we had some friends out there helping and that everyone's goal was to get back to Twin Lakes, like with human powered effort. So, um, yeah, and that was cool to just like have that mindset. And 
not like we weren't set the whole time. I wasn't just thinking of the FKT or the time, you know, it was like enjoying being out there, enjoying moving with my feet and just seeing what happened because in 160 miles of mountain running, anything can happen. And it was like, uh, you know, like diving into that unknown and like looking for, you know, what's going to be the wrench or what's going to be the unexpected thing that gets thrown at us. And can we deal with it? Yeah, that's, that's really great. I like that, that mindset of just, you know, we're just going to finish this and we're just going to face the challenges as they come along. What sort of, uh, motivational techniques do you use, whether in the training or on an FKT or during a race? Um, Because obviously you go out and you go hard. I mean, you are pushing yourself. And so we talked a little bit about that mental recovery. So what are some of those techniques that you use to get yourself through like low points? I'll use a lot of mantras. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think repeating something positive or calming in your mind can be helpful in not making, allowing room for any negative thoughts to come in. Mm -hmm. So if you occupy that space with something positive, then, you know, maybe it gives you some of that forward momentum to push past that low point. And it helps you not dwell on the negative for sure. Right. I also use snacks. (laughs) That is the key. I tell people that all the time. I'm like, if you are having a bad time, eat a snack. It's true. Half the time it is really just like your calories are low and you need a little sugar boost. Yeah. It doesn't matter how old we are. We are still just toddlers. It's like a (laughs) snack and a nap and you can solve just about like everything. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And it's also like enjoying the struggle. Like Mm -hmm. if, if you get to be out there doing this thing by choice, that's physically and mentally hard like enjoy that and embrace that you have that opportunity to, you know, push yourself a little bit and put yourself in a place where you get to test yourself. So I try to always like keep that mindset and like remind myself of it during those hard moments of how cool is it that I get to be doing this thing that's difficult. For sure. Voluntary hardship. Yeah. What was your high point of the collegiate loop? I mean, we talked a little bit about just like kind of going through and how beautiful it is, but what was your actual like high point, the part that you look back on with the fondest memory? It was always wonderful to get to some of the trailheads and see my crew there and, you know, get that boost of energy and to do it in this supported way where like, you know, they could show up with 7-Eleven Slurpees and, you know, pacers and could just like, I don't know, it's this cool memory that now I have with this group of people that mm-hmm. is going to be fun to like reminisce on in 20 years, you know, when we're drinking right. a beer together to remember this adventure. Um, but on the flip side of that, I also really, really loved that I started it uh, running by myself for the whole first day. So I mm-hmm. did like 50 miles or something solo, um, meeting my husband and my crew at a couple spots, but really like pretty alone time. And I liked that as like a way to start this big endeavor of, you know, just me and my feet and my brain 
and these snacks and like <laughs> enjoying that I was going to, you know, be out there for the next couple days or whatever. So speaking of your crew, I'm kind of curious how how you assembled your crew. Like, is there overlap between your crew for the Colorado Trail or, you know, how do who did you choose and how did you choose them? My husband is always uh, excited and great for crewing me. So he was in, of course. Um, and then we have a couple local friends who um, he, Paul and Meredith, and Paul had done the collegiate loop before. Um, mm -hmm. And they live really close to us. And so when it was going to be this kind of like, it wasn't last minute, but choosing the actual start date was a little bit in the air for a while. And so when we were doing that, um, we sent an email to them and then our friend Nick Petitella, who was actually is the men's FKT holder of the loop. And we were like, hey, we're going for it. You know, we had been kind of like chatting about it a little all summer, but then it was like, oh, it's real. Like we're doing this. Um, are you guys available for these, you know, random days to be out right. crewing? And they were just pumped right away to join in and help and be all hands on deck of like whatever we needed, whatever pacing or crewing. Um, so that was super cool. And it was awesome to have Nick who uh, had has the record and like knows the trail so well and um, was like down to pace tons of miles. And it was, yeah, a really special group we had. And then we had our tracker, you know, posted. And so a few, you know, random friends would just show up places and like join for a few miles or show up at a trailhead and uh, help crew for a bit. It was really cool. Uh, yeah, I kind of was curious, like, especially when you have uh, the flexibility to start whenever you want, how you convince people <laughs> last minute, like, hey, come out and do this thing. Uh, so it sounds really awesome. You had a lot of support and also having the the previous record holder or the current men's record holder. I mean, I imagine that was like super helpful. Yeah, super cool. And the um, women's record holder, Annie Hughes, also lives in Leadville. And she knew mm -hmm. that I was doing it. And she uh, showed up at a couple spots when we had been when we got to the east side. So in mm -hmm. that second day to cheer and like run a little bit with us. And um, it was really cool to see her show up for it. That's awesome. I love yeah, it's the such a great community. community. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like uh, less about the record and more about just like people being psyched to elevate each other and uh, do cool routes, you know? Totally. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It's so it's so refreshing and different and supportive. I love that mm -hmm. about it. I guess my other question I have uh, is about your physical training. We talked a little bit about your mental training. Uh, can you talk about kind of your, your physical training? Uh, was it different for an FKT or is it pretty much the same as what you do for your races? I didn't do very much uh, anything different really for this. Um, mostly I wanted to be physically rested and like fresh feeling for 160 ish miles. And so I, you know, was out playing in the mountains all summer. I had been training for a mountain race in July. And so there were just in general 
was a lot of time spent like out hiking mountains with poles and long days on my feet, you know, normal mm -hmm. stuff like that. And then um, when it became August and I was, you know, getting back into training and thinking like there might be a window for this, um, it was making sure that I just felt like as physically fresh and mentally excited as possible. So mm -hmm. not like overdoing anything in the training leading into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people underestimate the power of rest in their training and not showing up injured or overtrained or. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So important. still have some spring in your step. Yeah, exactly. And that helps <laughs> with the mental too, to not be like worn out. Yeah. This was your first FKT that's on the books, as far as I can tell. And so I'm kind of curious, like, do you have others in your future? Are you looking to do some more FKTs or are you just kind of playing it by ear? A little of both. So uh, I attempted the Colorado Trail in 2020, and that one is still uh, stirring around in my brain of like, I got to get back on that trail and try to finish it. Um, so we'll see when that actually can happen, but it's very high on my wish list to try again. And then there's some other routes that are definitely interesting, um, but nothing that we're actually like making moves on yet or like concretely planning yet. Did you have anything else that you'd like to talk about that I didn't touch on? I don't think so. I think, uh, that this trail is super cool though. So more people should do it. Um, and like, yeah, I don't know. You just get this really remote feeling when you're out there, like on the West side, I really saw no other humans. We saw five mm. moose, which was really mm. cool. Um, and then the East side, you get kind of this whole different feel, like the trail feels a little bit different and mm -hmm. that makes it a really unique loop to make, I think. Totally. Yeah, speaking of moose, I don't know how many people outside of Colorado realize there are moose in Colorado. Because I know for sure when I encountered a moose <laughs> when I was on the Continental Divide Trail in Colorado, like way back when, I was like shocked. I was like, what is this doing here? <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any like scary animal encounters during this like I mean how I mean moose to me are very frightening creatures like did you have any like bad <laughs> bad no, moose <laughs> no nothing scary no um no like crazy animals that we saw maybe a mountain lion was watching us I don't know um and disappointingly I didn't really even have that many hallucinations so <laughs> I didn't even like fabricate any wild animal encounters. <laughs> You'll just have to go out and do it again, you know, yeah. until you, until you have the, why, why do you think that a mountain lion was watching you? Do you have like something that kind of like made you feel that way? Or are you just saying there probably was one just because they're everywhere? Yeah. Mostly just because I assume they're everywhere. Uh, mm -hmm. I would love to see one someday, but from a safe distance, you know, right. where you know it's not about to attack you. Um, but I'm guessing, like, with the lack of humans on that west side and uh, how, you know, what a great playground it would be for a mountain lion, I'm guessing we went near some, but I, don't, I didn't see any. Gotcha. Yeah, they keep to themselves. They don't particularly like to be seen. 
Yeah, which is fine with me uh, if they then don't want to have me for a snack. Right. Yes, that's always <laughs> ideal. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show and chatting with me today. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks again, Courtney, for coming on the show. You can check out her FKT report on the website, fastestknowntime.com, and follow her on Instagram at Courtney DeWalter. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, this is Heather on the FKT Podcast. <laughs>